Thank you for downloading and happiness. Dare to be happy. We are two curious friends that want to explore what makes us happy. In each episode, we will take a topic in alphabetical order and discuss how it relates to and impacts happiness. We will live the experience of each concept through a dare that we set each other and then talk about how it affected our happiness. As well as diving into psychological theories and evidence which supports or contradicts our personal experiences. In other words, in this show, psychology meets play. I'm Kitty Newman, Director of Trapeze Media, a digital marketing agency that leads with social. My company philosophy is based on the importance of play in all our lives and how important it is to be happy at work. I have been obsessed with the circus for a few years, hence the name Trapeze Media, and making time for things like handstands and aerial in amongst the day-to-day challenges that come with running a successful business makes me happy. My name is Claudia Mitura. I'm a work psychologist and learning and development specialist with a purpose to boost happiness in the workplace. I love experimenting and applying scientific research on happiness to my daily ups and downs, or just to prove my other half wrong. I also like to look for happiness in unusual places, so I won't shy away from diving with sharks or starring in a pantomime. Sometimes this gets me in trouble. Claudia, this week I feel a little bit of pressure to talk about social media and happiness. Oh, Kitty, I cannot wait to hear all your insights about social media because I really want to learn from you. Well, I'll just give the listeners that don't know us a little bit of information. So I run a business called Trapeze Media, which is a creative digital marketing agency that leads with social. So we work with businesses, clients, individuals to manage their social media to promote them and their business. We also do website development, SEO, paid ads, email marketing, writing blogs, etc, etc. But first port of call for us is social media. So I have a lot to say on this topic. I don't know how we're going to squeeze it all into 30 minutes, so I'll try and stay on track on one single point. But There's always a debate. I go into pubs, cafes, people ask me what I do. Strangers will get into a debate with me about social media and let alone friends. And so these sorts of conversations I have had lots of different thoughts on. And I'm half really looking forward to this conversation and half apprehensive. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because social media is such a big part of our life. So I can imagine that even strangers will start having a discussion with you about their opinions around social media. And Kitty, you dared me to watch The Social Dilemma, the documentary that is currently on Netflix. And, oh, wow, where do we start on that? (laughs) Well, let's give a little premise for those who haven't seen it. So this is a feature-length film documentary on Netflix that was released about a month ago. And it's presented and features people who have worked at businesses like Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, who are the people behind inventing the things like the like button, the infinite scroll. And they are talking about the potential negative impact that social media has on our lives, as well as the controlling 
nature of the way that information is presented to us as users. And it looks at those potential future impacts of those things. I must say, I definitely learn quite a lot how it works behind the scenes from those experts and people who obviously have done it. I was definitely aware about the negative consequences of social media when it comes to manipulating our data and manipulating the information that we see. But I still really lacked a solution approach from their side because I really wanted to at some point send and start shouting at TV. I'm a human being. I am conscious. I'm self-aware. And I have the power to make my choices of how I can use the social media. I completely agree. I actually had to watch it in three sittings the first time I watched it because I was getting so mad. The thing is, I want to caveat this by saying I understand that you need extremes and it had its own point and it doesn't need to be two-sided. But from my perspective, I felt like this was its own kind of danger and it was putting so much responsibility and blame on us as users, making us feel like we should quit, making us feel like we were bad people for using these platforms when they were the guys that invented it. Like, come on, you can sit there in your Gucci suits telling us we're such useless people for using it. This has its own dangers because I use social media all the time. I use social media as a tool to communicate with people I know. I use it as a tool to bring money into other businesses. I look at it strategically as to how this can build up people and build up creative ideas. And so for me to then start thinking so negatively about my impact on the world by just using these tools was very anxiety making and stressful. And I completely agree. They didn't give enough practical advice for how to use these things. The only advice they gave was during the credits. And so it was only on my third trying of watching this film that I got any kind of useful advice. And it was in about two minutes of the whole hour and a half film. And I did not think that that was the right way to go about it. I completely agree. I really was hoping to get more solutions, how we can manage social media in a more conscious way. But I think that is the question. I think definitely the social dilemma is encouraging us to reflect a little bit because I definitely start reflecting of how do I use social media currently and how does it affect my happiness? How would I like to use social media so I can protect my own happiness and well-being and I can spread more happiness by creating positive content. So I definitely would say that when I use social media, it is very much about the social connections, which you mentioned about, not only with friends, but with other interesting people who I would never ever had a chance to come across in a real life and also sharing information and adding value. And as much there is such a vast number of information and studies that social media has negative impact, in excess to our mind and well-being. I found quite interesting study which says that those effects are moderated depending how we use social media. So the researcher says there is active social media use. So when you are actively interacting with people on social media, you are seeking entertainment and sharing creative content. Or there is a passive social media use where you're just scrolling through those feeds. Yeah, the infinity scroll. They're showing that the passive social media use is associated with self-reported increase in depression, anxiety, whereas the 
excessive social media use is actually associated with reduction of the same symptoms. So quite fascinating to see that, yes, social media will have certain impact on us, but it will depend on how we are using social media. I love to hear that because that is a positive thing to take. And we have to remember that this is a completely new thing. Instagram is only 10 years old. If you imagine a 10-year-old and how little they can kind of deal with the real world out on its own, Instagram's just kind of feeling its way. And these social media accounts, I think each of them do kind of take a different approach to how they evolve to protect their users. And a lot of people will say that's been a slow evolution, but Instagram Instagram hid likes, for example, so that the comparison element of things that you can't see how many likes someone has. And Twitter are doing amazing things with the way that they block certain tweets. They actually blocked one of Trump's tweets, which they've never done before. That was about six months ago. And now during all the presidential elections, they've changed the way that their platforms work. Twitter won't just let you retweet something blindly now. It will prompt you to place a comment so that you can be that active user that you're saying. Rather than the passive user of just retweet and not really think about it. Oh, I like, 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 passive. Retweet and actually put a comment on. So they're taking what you're saying and they're acting on that. And I think there's a lot to be said for those actions. The challenge is they are just so huge and so young in the grand scheme of things that nobody's learned how to use them effectively and completely happily. So what would be your advice of how we can use social media to our advantage? I think it comes to your point on choice. When you were angry with the social dilemma saying, but I have a choice. I think putting your own boundaries in place with your usage. So time restraints. And these aren't new concepts. You know, lots of people have said these before. So we usually say within the team on managing client accounts is 15 minutes of engagement and outreach, liking, commenting, etc. And you portion that off. And then also I'd say to turn off your notifications. Yes. (laughs) Because if you're responding to the notifications, that's leading your behavior rather than you making the choice to actually engage when it's right for you or when you have an idea or you think you want to message somebody. I have to say as well that I am not 100% all over doing that all of the time. It's like delicious chocolate cakes and alcohol and coffee and all these things that are fun, enjoyable, but not necessarily that good for us. You slip sometimes. And so there's empathy and understanding that it isn't easy to do this. But if you just get into the habit of making these changes, then you can find that enjoyment and not feel so controlled by social media. I think that's a bit of a difference. Yeah, I definitely must say that when I turned off my notifications many, many years back, that was like getting a peace of mind because I'm fascinated by the studies on digital distraction. And they show that when we get interrupted, it takes on average 23 minutes and 15 seconds. And that's how long we need to get back to our original task. What? That is so long and explains so much to me about work. Oh no. Wow. So if we're constantly responding to those notifications, it will be really difficult for us to be in the flow and get that work satisfaction. 23 minutes. Wow. Do you know what? And then that comes down to things like having a break. I wouldn't allow myself a break for 23 minutes. But actually, by these interferences, that is not productive. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
community on the social dilemma, they also spoke a lot about what we see in our feeds. It may not be really the reality, as in the feeds are generated through our browsing history and our preferences. And therefore, we see what agrees with our views. How we can get more control around that to kind of go around that algorithm. So you can either delete your Facebook or you can start to interact and engage with things outside of your normal circles of what you do usually. The physical version of that is something we discussed in empathy, where actually trying to take yourself out of the usual types of people that you talk to. So going and talking to someone that's completely different to you will open your mind to the way that other people see the world and then will be something that you can empathize with better. It's that sort of version, but on the internet. So it makes life a bit more difficult because it's not the first thing that's being shown to you. But if you do try and go outside of what's being delivered to you and what's being presented to you. And actually, social can be a great way to find that. If we look at the BLM movement, I'm following a lot more kind of black creators because I'm looking to diversify my teams. And because I'm looking at lots of these different accounts, they're being suggested to me. And so I'm seeing a whole new world of types of people that I can work with. And that is a good example of how you can change what you see in your feed. But you have to make a choice to do that. You have to be proactive to do that because it isn't going to happen by Facebook's algorithms because they do just work to what they think is going to give them the best return. It comes down to a financial thing. If they show you something you will like the look of, they'll make more money by you clicking and buying. So you have to make an effort to change what you see and then that will feed through into your suggested content. Oh, yeah, I love that. So this is coming back to our point from our second episode about expanding our belonging bubble and trying to engage with people and information who have different views to us. But because of that, as you said, we're diversifying what we see. Ah, so it was boundaries as well as empathy. Yes, yes. Gosh, do you know, aren't we great how we tie all of this together? So if you are a new listener, go back and listen to Boundaries, episode two, and Empathy, episode five. Brilliant. And what about fake news? That's another aspect, right? Because anyone can post anything on social media. And how can we be more cautious of sense checking of what we think is actually valid factual information rather than someone's opinion? Well, this is a case of you as an individual making some clear choices, going and reading an article, maybe double checking it. Check your sources. Where is this information coming from? If someone is sharing a post on their feed, read the article before you reshare it. Don't just reshare based on a headline. You have to be conscious about what you're putting out there. And to be honest, do you even really need to put it out there? I think that news at the moment is very prevalent. There's a lot going on. A lot of people that I talk to now just don't read the news, especially on their social media. I really like your advice is like always double check what are you reading and what are you sharing? Are there any specific references? What are the sources? 
Are those people really an expert on something? Why are they sharing that information? I think that's a great advice. And I also think in terms of the news you write, it's quite tricky nowadays to not to get sucked in into this really negative amount of information about the situation we are in. So I would really encourage listeners to start exploring news that are more positive. So there is a magazine called The Positive News. There is also a great newsletter called called The Future Crunch. And those are sources which share positive news, what kind of developments, what kind of projects, what's happening behind the scene that is actually making a positive impact. And I think it's not sugarcoating. It's still saying, yes, life is tricky and there are certain challenges we're dealing with. But what is the positive response to those challenges? And I definitely love that type of news rather than if it bleeds, it leads. Very dramatic. No, I agree totally. That's nice. Kitty, another question. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm quizzing you all the time, but I'm so interested <laughs> like, to really get all this information out of you. How we can provide positive value through our social media. So how we can contribute to other people's happiness through being positive and pragmatic and active social media user. I think there's a lot to be said from positive comments on people's posts, encouraging other people. We have this problem of a comparison, comparing your life on people's Instagram and looking at their photos and comparing it to yours. Why not instead put a positive comment? Then you've kind of pushed through that, given them a boost, given yourself a boost by putting that aside. And then to follow on from that kind of comparison thing, there is a tendency to just show these amazing moments, filter them, Photoshop them. But actually, there's a bit of a trend within the social landscape of this word authenticity and being authentic on social media. From a kind of marketing perspective, it seems to have a much better impact with and connection to an audience. If a brand is putting up something authentic, people connect to it more than they do a kind of really pristine photograph in a lot of cases. But from a real social aspect too, putting up a real version of yourself, it turns the pressure dial down. It doesn't mean you need to be negative or have a rant. Authentic doesn't mean negative, but putting up what's really happening for you, which can be quite fun and light and just a lot less pressure on you to be this incredible thing and show other people how incredible your life is. That is a relief and you can start to be comfortable with who you are on social media and not have to put across this top tier human. We can all start to make the space a bit more real. I really love that. And even if we are sharing something negative, I think it's really good to share it from a place of I'm sharing it because I want to maybe showcase my learning. I want to provide a value of how this situation impacted me and how have I dealt with it. I think if we share that information from that kind of place, then it's authentic, but in the same time creates still that positive value. Because again, I think if we want to play it devil's advocate, we could say, well, I'm authentic. I've been ranting on social media at people or about my current situation nonstop. And I think people will shy away from that and will be like, well, we, we not necessarily want to engage with that content. So I think, yes, be authentic. And even if you're sharing something maybe tricky, share it from a place of empathy, kindness and learning. 
Okay, can I have a final question? It's about manipulation of our data behind the scenes. Okay, so are there any specific tools that we can use that will make sure that actually our data is not stored somewhere? It's not manipulated. You can't get around the fact that that data is being stored. It is being used. There was something called GDPR that became a European control placed by the Information Commissioner's Office, which has been put in to protect our data because it has been like a Wild West. In fact, when I first started working in digital, which was 12 years ago, I used to work in email marketing and there was someone in the team that was like, what we're doing? What with people's data? This is 12 years ago. And I was actually like, oh yeah, that's just what we do. And now looking back, I was like, wow, that person I should have listened to because what we were doing, you would never get away with now. And so that was just at the cusp of social media. Now the regulations are a lot tighter, but I would never want to recommend to people to think that there's an easy fix for that because it is under the control of Facebook. The pixel is on millions of sites across the country. You can say no to cookies on your desktop, but if you really want to be that way inclined, I just find that very difficult question to ask. I have a friend that is completely off grid. They have a Raspberry Pi little computer that they put everything through and they have no data on the internet at all. No passwords stored, no cookies. She won't go on a site that won't allow her to decline cookies. And so there are various levels of protection that you can take, but there is not enough time for me to answer that in a huge amount of detail. But I know, Claudia, that you've been using a amazing search platform that I do think is worth talking about. Yes, I think that your answer is actually perfect because it shows that we are moving with times and more regulations are being brought in. And that's amazing. And what's also great is that there are new products that are emerging. I use as a search engine Ecosia and Ecosia spends 80% of their profits to planting trees. So yay. But also they don't store my searches permanently. So they only store it for seven days. And they don't create personal profiles based on my search history. Funny enough, that's actually sometimes is frustrating as in when you search for something, Ecosia will give you truly the top websites for that topic, not the top websites that are most relevant to you. So the search never feels 100% as accurate as it would be on Google, but it's because of anonymizing the data. And it's absolutely amazing in that sense. And I'm so hopeful that we have now GDPR and now we start seeing such amazing products like Ecosia. So your data is not sold to advertisers and is wiped out every seven days. That is a really great tip. Another one that was mentioned on the film was Quant, which I haven't used, but I'm going to be investigating. But personally, I'm not quite there. I don't have the same controls over my data. I am sort of very much out there on the digital landscape and I'm okay with that for now. I think the future is much more control and more ownership over our data. And there's clearly a lot of value in someone's data. If I think about my friend who has nothing on the internet, is completely anonymous. She is the future type of person. I actually saw her as like, wow, your data is really valuable because it's nowhere. And I thought that was so weird that my brain went to that first. As a comparison, I'm like cheap as chips. My data's like 10 a penny, but hers is gold dust. And it was funny to have that sort of train of thought.
amazing. I mean, I learned so much. I feel like now I have even more well-being rules for using social media than before. So thank you so much. Do you want to give us a quick summary? So my thinking around social media is to, first of all, be clear about your boundaries, try and stick to them, develop those healthy habits with social. And I think that's pretty well established. People know that keeping a time limit, turn your notifications off. But the other things that I think are to turn the pressure dial down on how you think about yourself on social. Don't beat yourself up if you enjoy it. If you enjoy scrolling through TikTok and watching fun dances or doing a fun dance in the kitchen and putting it in TikTok, seeing what happens, that is absolute pure joy. Just because they've got something scary going on with the ownership, don't beat yourself up about that. You're not contributing to that. You're just watching a silly video. Use it positively in terms of your engagement on the platform. Big people up. Give people a little heart in the comments. Engage with people. Have conversations. Ask questions on social media. It's great to put your statement out there and put your stance on. But as you see posts coming in, ask a question. You can develop relationships and make friends and be open and creative. And also do try and make these pathways outside of your usual go-tos. So if there's something you want to change in the world, make a first step to doing that within social and follow different accounts that you would do normally. And you'll start to see all of that come back to you. That is the inspirational thought we're going to finish on. <laughs> if you want to change the world, start with very small steps on social media and putting something positive there because it will come back to you. Yay! Yeah, great. And the other thing is I've got a message to anybody that works with a social media manager that might be in your team or you might employ somebody. Social media is often given to maybe a young person in the team, someone new to the team as an extra to their existing role. But you forget that social media is often the first place people come to see your business. So it's the face, it's the first impression. You have to be creative, come up with new ideas, write copy, engage with people. So customer service, you have to understand data, reporting and make judgments based on those reports as to what's working within your social media platforms. So please respect your social media managers. Just because everybody can do it doesn't mean that it's easy. And so, yes, give it to the person in the team that you think will do the best job, but don't underestimate the work that has to go into making that a good platform for your business. Love it. I feel very proud actually to work in social. Sometimes I haven't, but I do because it's not going anywhere. Everybody wants to use it. And I think we can actually make some changes to make it work for us much better. Yay! <laughs> Go Kitty and all the social media people. Yeah, Woo! respect to social media managers. Kitty, next week, very exciting episode. Time and happiness. I always feel I have no time in the day. I work all the time. Busy, busy, busy. Hi, how are you? Yeah, great. Very busy. Oh, everybody's so busy at the moment. Where's the time going? I know. And that's why the next week episode will be so interesting. Because what we're going to do is we're going to identify three things we never have time for. And we are going to do them. Yes, I am 
really excited about this episode. I love the episodes where we push ourselves to do what we kind of know we need to do, but find difficult to actually implement that into our daily lives. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how I can make some time in my week. And I cannot wait to share with you lots of interesting concepts from time paradox to time quadrants and generally time. How do we spend it? (laughs) Oh my goodness, what's a time quadrant? Is this like a sci-fi? (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait. It will be fabulous, Kitty, and all obviously in the line of how we can spend our time wiser to be happy. Amazing. Well, I look forward to it, Claudia. In the meantime, everybody, check out the website. We've got 10 helpful alphabetical tips on how to be happy that you can download. You can listen to the episodes on the website and happiness.co.uk. Rate, recommend, tell a friend, and we dare you to be happy. Woohoo! See you next week. Bye.